0: Block Talk Radio. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are
1: listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark. Denmark likes the country, aka Copenhagen, aka Denny And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSwitchSports.com. Since sports never stops, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. Since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only, Anthony Denmark. Denmark likes the country and college football fans out there. Can you guys believe we are 163 sixty three eight until week one of the college football season? However, we do know that when it comes to college football, there is never a boring moment. Even though stadiums are empty at this particular point in time, no tailgating may be going on. We do know that we can always rely on coaches to keep us entertained. Show, we have a lot of things on tap today. And past podcasts, of course, you can follow on Instagram, Twitter, Stitcher. And on iTunes, I had a little rant where I talked about freshmen coming to universities not to hold clipboards, not to get red shirts. And I specifically pointed out some of the programs I talked about with TCU, with Shane Robinson, the four-star dual threat quarterback, and also, of course, in regards to Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell, who, of course, Wayne Haskell, of course, is a redshirt freshman at Ohio State who did wonders um, during bowl prep. And of course, also Tate Martell, who, of course, is undefeated during his time at uh, Bishop Gorman in, T- in North. When you make rants like that, you want to make sure that you provide an opportunity to have those experts who cover those particular programs to be on the show, to share their insights, to let me know. In fact, my thoughts were accurate, or if maybe my thoughts were just straight out of left field. So we're going to talk about that on tonight's show. In addition to that, since you know that there's no football games until 163 days, we do know that we're going to talk about coaching rent. We're going to talk about coaching milestones. Cut. We're going to talk about laws and its impact on college football, because I tell you today, there was one law that may actually provide an exemption that may make me think twice about going to a game um, in Arkansas. Pay sue it. So that's what we're going to do on today's show. I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. Uh, of course, right now, uh, we do know that we're getting an opportunity to tickle our beat for college football fans. We do know that, as I've said in times past, March Madness is an appetizer. And college football always will continues to be that main course. So we got 316 happening right now. We saw Gonzaga make it to the Elite Eight. We saw Oregon take down Michigan. But like I said to you guys before, college football is the main course. All these tournament games are really just to help us weather the storm, to help us get through those tough, trying times as we continue to count down the hour, the minute, the second, and the day until we can start tailgating again, until we can go ahead and dust off the kids' jerseys and cheerleading outfits to prepare for another memorable season that will bring nothing but joy, surprise, shock, and amaze, and fulfillment for at least one lucky college football program. Last year, of course, it was Clemson. Congratulations. But we do know that 2017 is a new year, y'all. You know, ultimately, that before you can talk about the game, before you can start preparing for week one, this one great guy who I believe said it best. Before we, before we get to week one of the season, franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not not, not the game that I... So we're going to talk about practice, y'all. Not a game, but practice. So we're going to talk about spring games. We're going to talk about what our expectations are. Because we can't talk about games yet, because we still have 163 days. So until then, we have to talk
0: Prince about. John Flair, and we're in here talking about practice.
1: Well,
0: I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game.
1: We're talking about practice, not a game, not a, not not the game that I. So you know, practice the first program that we're going to talk about regards to practice. Let's go ahead and get our caller on the line. He covers the Ohio State Buckeye, covering the Buckeye football program for SB Nation. We're going to talk about practice. We're going to talk about pro day. And we're going to talk about quarterback. Let's go ahead and get him on the line.
0: How are you tonight?
1: I am doing fine. Now I... Starting the show by saying that we're not going to talk about the game, we're going to talk about practice. And we do know right now that practice is going on right now in Columbus. And yesterday was a, I mean, today really was a great day. I mean, it got a chance for Urban Meyer to showcase uh, the new Buckeyes and also the Buckeyes who are auditioning uh, for uh, the NFL. What were some of your impressions uh, from the Pro Day today?
0: But the biggest impression was the who's who of NFL coaching were at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center today watching some of the best players in college football. I think uh, New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton said it well. Uh, When you draft a Buckeye, you have a ready-made NFL player. He should know because he took Von Bell and uh, he's got Teddy Ginn. You know he's had Will Smith, he had Malcolm Jenkins, so he he definitely uh, he knows how to pick them. So that, that was my impression. and Everybody seemed to shine. It's a good day for Urban Meyer and his program.
1: Absolutely, of course. One of the biggest highlights for me is uh, there was a Bill Belichick sighting at the pro day. As of course, <laughs> Bill Belichick and uh, Greg don't have a well chronicled history, and I'm more than sure that. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to hear a lot of what guys, uh names called in the first round. But I do want to ask this one question, because yesterday um, uh, a probable first-round pick cornerback, uh, Fabian Morano of UCLA, he got injured during the pro day, ends up having to get surgery done on his pelvis. And it pecked, I'm sorry, it was pectoral muscle. It immediately made me think about uh, the struggles that uh, Lattimore has had throughout the uh season and through his time at Ohio State. What drills did he participate in at uh, the pro day? And has he been given a green light in regards to his health? Because that's probably one of the biggest concerns that people have about him. It's not his talent. It's just that injury blow that he's battled since he's been in Columbus.
0: Definitely. I mean, injuries have kept him out of the starting lineup. Well, and talent in front of him, too, which has been equal but definitely injuries. He had a great pro day. Uh, he went through all the drills. looked sharp uh, by all accounts coming out of there. Uh, it was a good pro day for him. He's he's got a tweaked hamstring, but what else is new for some of these players? But um, his timing was strong, and is you know they're just running in shorts, so it's not too much you can tell from it. But all the reports say he had a good pro day, so I. I think he'll keep his draft stock high. I think he'll go top 10.
1: Absolutely. Of course, again, I'm on the line with Thomas Sherlock. He's a he's a writer covering the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, quick theory on my last podcast where, you know, Urban Meyer does not recruit players to redshirt or to hold clipboards. And when you look at the depth chart at quarterback, I mean, you've got a lot of talent on that. And Dwayne Haskins, dropped a lot of jaws during practice, during bowl practice, and we, of course, know that Tate Martell's coming from Bishop Gorman, I mean, with an undefeated record. Now, of course, I know that's high school ball, but when you combine that with the struggles that J.T. Barrett had last season, and you combine it with a new offensive coordinator in Kevin Wilson, I have to ask myself, I mean, I know Urban Warren said it's J.T. Barrett's job to lose, but... How sort of a leash will J.C.
0: Barrett be on this season? Uh, he will have a long leash, and those three guys won't see the field except in uh, mop-up time. Listen, the depth is strong. Burrow, Haskins, Tate—they're all good. But the fact is, if you take a look at what Wilson did at Oklahoma with Jason White, Sam Bradford, and Landry Jones—you're talking about twenty. I think something like 23,000 yards passing, 215 TDs, 61 INTs over six seasons, two Heismans. Barrett will not only have a great season, he's in line to have a special season. And it's all going to be because of Wilson. The worst hire Urban ever made was Tim Beck. Now that he's gone and Wilson's in, this offense is going to flourish again.
1: Yeah, I honestly agree with you in regards to Tim Beck. Tim Beck always gets the job. I mean, he must be a master interviews. And, of course, he's now going to possibly destroy another quarterback, potentially uh, down in Houston uh, with uh, Bouchelle and Ellinger. But, of course, you know, we'll see how that situation works out. But, of course, we do know that one of the sources of the struggles that J.T. Barrett had last season was largely due to uh, him not really getting, being on the same page with the receivers. Now, I was looking at, police uh, police and I saw a receiver uh, from uh, Ohio State who everybody seems poised to be going to have a breakout year this year. Now, he, of course, was actually quite impressive in the game against Clemson, had 96 yards receiving. Uh, but tell my listeners a little bit about Victor and uh, why this guy is going to be one to watch in the spring and, of course, during the regular season.
0: Well, uh, he's got all the, the tools to be – the next great receiver at Ohio state. He's tall. He's lanky. He's fast. He can stretch the field Uh, reports are he runs good routes, which that would put him ahead of the game of most of the receivers over the last few years. But uh, I think he's going to have a a breakout season as a true sophomore, but honestly, it's going to start up front. I mean, if they don't get the line, problems fixed, it won't matter who's running routes because Barrett will be under pressure and I think that's the greatest impact that Wilson's going to have this offseason is just fixing the offensive line so they can pass, protect so Barrett can get the ball out to those guys.
1: Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Thomas Sherlock. He covers the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, of course, we do know that, I mean, we've always heard this phrase, DBU, thrown around so loosely. (laughs)
0: We've
1: heard of course Florida say it, We've heard Florida. I mean, every program says DBU. But, I mean, when you look at what has happened at Ohio State these past two seasons in regards to their depth and talent in the secondary, I mean, it does, when you have guys leaving at such a high rate, that does leave a lot of people now having questions. Are we, is it safe to assume that these talented freshmen, and I mean, talent is an understatement, are just gonna come in and there's not gonna be a drop off. I mean you got Akuda who already if people are talking about as being the next great
0: one. Yeah. yeah he Akuda probably will be the next great one. He's gonna play a lot this year because there's you know, either safety or corner back and forth. But I, I think with the transfer of Kendall Sheffield from Alabama along with Damon Webb, but there's some good experience back there. Denzel Ward's having a good spring, but you got to transfer that to the regular season. Eric Smith is finally healthy. So, I mean, that's one position where we've just had incredible depth or Urban's had incredible depth uh, through his recruiting. So I expected to be very little drop-off, if at all, which is amazing considering what the last two years they've done. But between Kendall and Damon, that's good enough experience back there. And then the rest of the guys, you know, they'll come along, but the boys up front will protect them a little bit. The front seven is just going to be, if not the best Massey. in college football, one of the top three. So that will protect them a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Downright nasty. Sosa, of course, is going to do great things. But Literally a, now a full year recovered from his uh, little minor ACL injury that he had
0: uh, yes. in
1: high school. Now, of course, one of the things I do want to ask you, and um, – is, you know, we do know that right now, of course, you know, we have 163 days until kickoff. So we have to talk about practice. We talked about Victor. We talked about Okuda. Who are some guys that we need to be keeping our eyes on to uh, possibly see, possibly break out uh, out of the shadows and, uh, you know, get an opportunity to become our own premier player? I mean, because you know they have the talent. Now some guys who are all buried on the depth chart, either due to freshmen or due to uh, talent. Uh, Who who, who should
0: we have our eyes on this springtime? Uh, Yeah, it's tough to tell just yet. But, I I mean, I I think Denzel Ward in the backfield, or I'm sorry, in the secondary is going to have a great year. He's one of the fastest players on the team. He just uh, hasn't had a chance to crack depth chart yet. I think McCall in a hybrid role is uh, poised to kind of have a – I don't know if he'll have a breakout year, but I think he's going to be a, a key target for Barrett this year. And I would look for one of the younger uh, tight ends. I mean, I like Marcus Ball, but he's not the best receiver. Um, so i look for one of the younger tight ends who kind of get out on the field and they start making plays. I, I see them getting on the field a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on to the show. And I definitely uh, want to have you on throughout the offseason and during the season as we continue to follow uh, situation, as well as uh, seeing uh, how these Ohio State Buckeyes continue to prepare for a 2017 redemption season.
0: Agreed. I appreciate it. Happy to do it.
1: Now, of course, one of the things that's quite awesome about Ohio State is – we get to a particular point where we begin to expect excellence all the time. And I think probably one of the best things that could have happened to Ohio State was how they lost to Clemson. When you put up a goose egg, it doesn't matter how many stars preceded your name when you came to Columbus because that goose egg provides extra initiative, puts everybody on notice. Whatever your billing was when you got here, it really just doesn't matter. But one of the things that I'm gonna be very intrigued to watch this off season is being able to see the progress of Alabama transfers. Now, Nick Saban once famously boasted that players who transferred from Alabama rarely experience much success upon leaving. And Thus far, you know, this track record actually has been quite accurate. But we know that Alvin Kamara, the transfer from Alabama who went to Tennessee, is going to prove that theory wrong. And so it's going to be very intriguing to see how Sheffield does. He couldn't cut it at Alabama, fell behind on the depth chart. Maybe it was the coaching style of Alabama's Nick Saban and of course, maybe did not mesh well with Sheffield. So we're going to see how that situation ultimately ends up playing out because history suggests that Alabama players rarely do well once transferred. But Alvin Kamara, of course, proved that wrong, and we're going to see if Sheffield's able to do the same. Now, to be honest with you, even though, of course, you know, Thomas definitely did drops the knowledge to us about Ohio State, I, for one, think that that leash is a little bit shorter than a lot of people may initially presume that it is. Say, when you lay out a goose egg against Clemson, how well JT Barrett was two years ago really doesn't matter. And it's awfully convenient for you to be able to blame receivers when ultimately we do know, huh, it may sound weird to say this, but the buck in the Buckeyes has and will always stop with the quarterback. So I I think that, of course, you know, Ohio State is going to continue its trend of probably winning its first five games quite easily. Of course, we do know that they open the season with the cream puffs, but they do, of course, have to play Oklahoma, which I believe is vastly overrated when you consider the amount of losses that they've they had on off at the side of the ball, no P. Ryan, no Westbrook, and no Mitchell. But when you enter into conference play, where it seems as if J.T. Barrett has begun to struggle, that's where I think the leash will begin to tighten. That's where I believe, uh, you know, we'll see. Dwayne Haskins probably gets some mop-up duty. Against Oklahoma in a blowout fashion, probably. We'll see him get some mop up duty in the first five games of the season when those struggles begin to happen. And if those struggles begin to happen with JT Barrett, it'll be hard to ignore the arm talent of Dwayne Haskins. It'll be hard to ignore the improv- improvisation of a Tate Martell. But, you know, we have 163 days, and right now, you know, you have to build the confidence that
0: offensive coordinator Kevin
1: Wilson is going to try to build that confidence with J.C. Barrett, and, you know, to a degree, he's definitely earned and deserved that right, but also we've all had in life, you know, what you deserve may not be what you get if, in fact, you're not able to consistently produce at a high level, and if, in fact, your play on the field prevents your team to be able to perform at its highest point. But again, as I say in life, ladies and gentlemen, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening, and of course, of course, of course, we are definitely going to see what's up. Now, we were supposed to have another caller on to try to drop some knowledge, drop some insights, and do some expert analysis when it came to TCU, but you know. Our show must go on, because I was going to pose a question in regards to the quarterback situation at TCU. I was going to pose the question in regards to where exactly is the state of the TCU program, and in fact, has the TCU football program already reached its heights and now begun to steady the climb back down being a video program? Because I wondered if, in fact, we had seen the best that TCU had really had to offer when a, when they had a wide receiver playing quarterback, and had a wide receiver that was a transfer from Wyoming, of course. I'm referring to Javon Boykin, the quarterback, former quarterback at TCU, current backup quarterback at Seattle, and the wide receiver, Josh Dodson, the former wide receiver at TCU and current number one wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. Because this is going to be an interesting year for TCU. Kenny Hill, of course, is entering into his final season. I found an interesting stat on Pro Football Talk that said that Kenny Hill had the most dropped passes in the entire country, the most. 38% of his passes were dropped. And then I wanted to pose the question, trying to figure out what is the saddest of Lumpkin. Of course, the mighty Mike, who, of course, was probably one of the most electrifying college football players in the country last year, but, of course, since he was a mighty might, despite his tremendous talent, he, of course, suffered an injury. I wanted to know what his status was. But, you know, in times, often you find yourself asking questions. It's, of course, you already know the answer. Currently, right now, it's progressing through injury. And, of course, according to reports, she is sitting out the screen to try to improve on his academics and also, of course, to try to recover from injury. So, of course, we wish Lumpkins. Good luck in the classroom, and good luck with the training staff. But this is going to be a proven year for Gary Patterson. Right now, I guess we could safely say that Gary Patterson is the king of Texas. When you consider the struggles that's going on at Texas and them bringing in Tom Herman and you consider the ever-warming hot seat that's going on in um College Station with Kevin Sumlin. Right now, Gary Patterson is the king of Texas. But how long will his reign last? Because nobody's really expecting Tom Herman to be able to work magic in the first year, despite the expectations in 40 acres. And let's be real, Kevin Sumlin plays in the SEC West, so we know that he's going to start off strong like he always does. We do know then that he's going to lose to Alabama and probably even lose to LSU. And then we know that then people are going to be calling for his job. So with those things in mind, you turn to Gary Patterson. and You say Meacham is now going on to Kansas to coach. So is Sonny Comby going to be able to revitalize his explosive offense that at least for the past two seasons that goes down in – Fort Worth have grown accustomed to, because in the past two seasons, what we have not seen is what we've grown accustomed to seeing, which was a dominant defense. But those are the questions that I was going to pose to Travis Kennedy, who writes for the TCU Horned Frogs. But we'll talk to him at a later time. But, of course, you know, as I say in life, ladies and gentlemen, as I say in sports, the answers to these questions and more, we'll always find in time. The time reveals all, at least eventually. Nevertheless, the other topics that I've had on tap for us to talk about on today's show, and I wanted to talk about, Coach, oftentimes, you know, during the season, the players are the stars. The players are the ones who get themselves on the cover of magazines, but it seems as if we've gotten to a particular point where the off season becomes the time for the coaches to shine. For this offseason, Coach Jim Moore of UCLA is climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, which is amazing. Apparently this has now provided him new insight. Apparently, this has opened his eyes in regards to what he needs to do to get UCLA on the right track. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, he, of course, has spent his offseason playing football games with his family, posting up two-year-olds, and giving hard files to his brother, uh, who's the coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Nick Saban thus far has spent this off season in customary fashion. He hasn't seen a reporter, columnist, blogger, but he didn't feel like bullying. As of course, this week he put his words to work in action, and of course did a nice little bullying job on a reporter who was just doing that job asking the question. But we are only 163 days and coaches are finding themselves now in the limelight. During Michigan State's Pro Day, which, of course, was today, Coach Mark D'Antoni found himself actually somewhat silent, somewhat elusive. As his program is currently kind of mired in his own situation as players at his program, players that, of course, he's responsible for bringing to his landscape, have now found themselves immersed in an investigation regarding sexual assault. When reporters attempted to try to pose questions regarding the status of those investigations, Mark D'Antoni found himself eluding those questions as as well as his players elude tacklers or as well as Michigan State eluded the win column this past season. And, of course, probably one of our favorite coaches to follow during the offseason, Brett Bielema, down in Pig He, of course, you know, finds himself having to answer, answer questions that actually pretty much are unrelated to football. As a, a vote is recently potentially going to be passed that will allow Fans or opposing fans to attend games in Arkansas, armed with their weapons. One of the elected officials in Arkansas is trying to provide an exemption which will, will permit players, will permit fans to be able to attend games for ten functions. Period in Arkansas, well, since there's no protein, that means primarily football games or basketball games. Able to carry their guns, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's like there's two things that you just don't mix together. One, I had a problem when they had permitted uh, they permitted college stadiums to be able to sell liquor. Of course, I'm sure it was a bang for the economy. I'm sure that it was a bang for bringing in money to the school. But now we're going to mix in alcohol and weapons. And we already do know that at times, you know, that things oftentimes get quite contentious at games between fans, and that's without including liquor. Now we're going to add liquor and guns. Now, of course, this is not yet become official, but I don't know about you, even though I love pig suey, that law does pass. I I I can really see my days of attending Arkansas football games and seeing 40, what, 40, 40 minutes as hell. I can see those days no longer being included in my future. But again, again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, when I was talking to Thomas, I mentioned about potential first-round pick cornerback, Fabian Monroe uh, from UCLA. Well, Fabian Monroe, of course, he, of course, right now, he did well at the combine, impressed at the East-West Shrine game, impressed so much that now people find themselves talking about him potentially being one or possibly 10 cornerbacks that may hear their names called as one of the top 50 in the top 50 picks. And, of course, that's something that's miraculous. However, Mr. Fabian suffered an injury as UCLA had their pro day yesterday, and for some reason one of the teams that he was working out for, they wanted him to do some bench press. You know, I've done bench presses before all the time. You know, but however, while doing those bench presses, he sprained a pelvic muscle, and that pelvic muscle required surgery. And for me, it made me want to get on my bully pulpit and pose the question of why did he need the Baby Moreau, of course, was a fifth-year senior, played at UCLA for five years as all the tape that you could see, Favreau Monroe was fortunate enough to go to the NFL Combine. performed quite remarkably, did position drills, did the bench press, all those things. What was the point of him doing that? Now, of course, I'm more than sure that the competitor inside of him would definitely say that, hey, I'm trying to make my money. I'm trying to boost my stock. I did not come into – the offseason which much buzz as being around Monroe being one guy that people oftentimes didn't mention. So I understand his grind. I understand his focus. I understand his desire to try to boost his draft stock as high as possible in order to try to get an opportunity to provide an opportunity, a chance to provide for his family, his mother, and do what Amari Cooper did this week, which is he bought his mom a car, bought his mom a house. And I understand that. But at the same time, his ambition and drive to try to get his stock at its highest. It's almost gotten to a point where now these players who've done five years worth of film, Pro Day, Combine, each time they go to a private workout, they've now gotten to the point now where they're placing their futures at risk. Early on my last podcast on Countdown to Kickoff, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, on Stitcher, I mentioned that, you know, Sidney Jones, also a cornerback, who many people said was probably one of the top three rated cornerbacks in the entire draft, you know, behind Marshawn Lattimore, who we talked about earlier, maybe some behind Quincy Wilson, Florida. But he suffered an injury, and that injury that he suffered while doing position drills are going to suffer and cause his draft stock to plummet. He's likely not to hear his name called in the first round. Quite a few million dollars doing a position drill that was well-chronicled on tape, well-chronicled at the combine. And so each time that these guys find themselves at these pro days doing private workouts, doing more work, putting more strain on their money-making bodies, They're putting themselves at a risk injury. Now, I like to do the analogy. I oftentimes find myself trying to compare things. So I'm going to try to compare this to NBA players and wrestling. People don't like that they rest, but also people want to see a good product. And people also realize that the plan is not to to do well during the regular season, but to be able to max out during the playoffs. Well, applying that same philosophy and thought process towards college football and these young men. I consider that right now the offseason provides a great opportunity. You know, you take the necessary risks that you have to, which, of course, is going to the combine. If, in fact, you're not invited to the combine, then, of course, pro day goes without question. But at what point is continuing to do these private workouts, are you now placing yourself in a vulnerable position of risking injury? Thus far, Jones has suffered an injury doing unnecessary workouts. Didn't need to do it. Fabian Moreau from UCLA has suffered an injury doing an unnecessary workout. Check my bench press at the combine. Check those numbers. And I just wondered, you know, I saw that Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech quarterback, has 10 Private workouts lined up with 10 different NFL teams. And I truly wonder, of course, I understand this drive, I understand their vision, I understand the desire to try to boost this stock to as high as possible. But again, where do you get to the point where you boosted that your boost has reached a threshold, and now all you're doing is providing additional wear and tear on your body that's only going to harm you in the long run? But, again, you know, this is a decision that ultimately is going to come down to an agent and a player. But, again, you know, as I say in life, as I say in sports, man, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, when this whole situation plays out, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, right now, you know, spring practices are begun, I think, literally everywhere now, everywhere. And one of the things that I immediately wanted to find out specifically was what's going on down in Norman, y'all. I know they lost a lot of offensive firepower, but, you know, they Joe Mixon had to go. D.D. Westbrook had to go. That I saw was quite alarming and also caused me to roll my eyes and say, what does he expect? When Bob Stoops was asked, About spring practice. He was asked about the status of Baker Mayfield, who, of course, is famously now known for the guy who tried to run from the police while doing a sobriety test and got caught. He was asked, uh, So, is he going to miss practice? Is he going to miss games? (laughs) And for some reason, we continue to make the mistake of assuming that Bob Stoops is going to make a decision based on character, as opposed to based off of their play on the field. I don't know why in our heads we thought that Baker Mayfield was going to miss practice. I don't know why in our heads we thought that Baker Mayfield may actually miss a game. Bob Stoops has already shown us that he's about them W's, y'all. He showed us that with Joe Mixon. He showed us that with D.D. Westbrook, and you know what? He's showing us yet again. With Baker Mayfield. But how is this whole thing ultimately going to work out? I'm sure that we're going to say that we're going to handle it internally, and uh, he'll do some burpees a la Steve Sarkeesian at USC, formerly, now, Falcons OC.
0: He'll learn his
1: lesson, and we're going to handle it internally, you know. So we really know what's going on, man. Bob Stoops is about them wins, and Bob Stoops knows that he can't win without Baker, he couldn't win without DeeDee, and he definitely could not win without Joe. And now with no Baker, no DeeDee, I mean, now with no Mixon, no DeeDee, no P. Ryan, oh, Baker's going to play. But again, you know, maybe I'll be wrong. But again, as I always say, as I say in life, As I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, definitely going to see what's happening, and we are definitely going to see what's up. We are now 163 days into kickoff, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. I'm going to enjoy my appetizer, which, of course, is called March Madness.
0: But my mind,
1: my thought, my heart, my passion will always be counting down to that moment, to that main course of ride. Thank you guys for tuning in to Countdown to kick off. Remember that sports gives us an opportunity to take a time out from life
0: and all of the things that have a
1: tendency of stressing us out. I want to thank you guys for taking a break with me, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out! Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep Sports and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happens as well at EatDrinkSleepSports.com. Till next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.